And now, it's time for the Tri-State Sports Beat with your hosts, Nick Federico, Scott DeBell, and Joe Bruno. Oh yeah! What's going on, everybody? Another episode of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Welcome back. Welcome back. It is time to... Strap in! Strap in! It's time for another episode. Hope everybody's doing well. We've had a good week. Just Nick and Scott here this week. Scott, buddy, how we doing? Fantastic. Good. That's not sarcastic, right? We've had a, we've had a little bit of a problem there with these uh, these intros where oh, you no. sound a little sarcastic about how you're doing, pal. No, no, no. Everything is uh, hunky-dory. Good. I mean, I would have rather liked that the Packers, you know, won on Sunday, but, uh, you That's know. Good. That's good for your ownership stock there, pal. That stock took a little bit of a hit. I know. So uh, I, I, I want to ask, too. But I mean, before we, we have a lot to talk about today, but, you know, as an owner of the Green Bay Packers, like, do you get, like, Stuff like in the mail, like you know, like your season ticket holder yeah, you, kind of thing. Like, like what's that about? You get invited to the owners' meetings at Lambeau every year, and you and you've never been. I, I mean, as a twenty-year-old <laughs> who doesn't work for, uh, who is a college student for a living at the moment, how am I going to afford to fly to Green Bay, Wisconsin, <laughs> to go to Lambeau Field for a week? Well, like if the I would have loved to, okay, and you know, right. I think I get I mean. four ticket, four free tickets every year. Interesting. So eventually, I want to make that trip, but you know, right now it's uh not very feasible. So like, I I don't really like I I want to understand how the like you know owner like owners in football on football teams like physical owners that are there make decisions like, but you go mm-hmm. but like owners of the Packers don't necessarily do that. No, like that's a weird. That's a weird thing. I don't know. I never understood that. I think it's cool that they're publicly owned, but like. Yeah, people say that the Cowboys are America's team. Well, that's BS because the Packers are actually America's team. That's right. Because the people in America own them and are probably abroad. People, you know, in who knows what countries maybe own the Packers. Yeah. I'm better than you. Basically, because Scott's an owner of the Green Bay Packers. He's better than all of us. He's pretty he's pretty well off right now. But, pal, we got a lot to talk about. Of course, we'll touch on the championship games if we have time. Uh, with the big game coming up, Chiefs and Bucks, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, all that good stuff with the Super Bowl coming up in two weeks. So uh, we'll probably do like a Super Bowl preview show. We'll probably do, you know, prop bets and picks and all that stuff in the in the coming week for the Super Bowl. But for now, we got a lot to talk about in New York sports, pal. And we're actually going to start with some baseball, some MLB hot stove stuff, because the Mets have been in the headlines. I mean, besides the Jared Porter stuff, they've been in the headlines for – you know, losing out on George Springer to the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, as Yankee fans, we're not happy about that because as presently constructed, the Blue Jays are absolutely stacked, and they look probably like the favorites in the American League East, if you ask me. I don't know what you think, but that's what I'm feeling right now. Um, but six years, $150 million for George Springer and the Toronto Blue Jays. So I, I understand, like... The, Met, like, the Mets fans, that George Springer was the apple of their eye. Like, every... Like, Almost unanimously, every single Mets fan wanted George Springer. But when it came down to it, like some fans were disappointed, others weren't. Were like in between. They were kind of indifferent about it. But I mean, of course, George Springer would have been great to be on this team, no doubt. They need you know a defensive outfielder, and and especially a clutch bat too. But my opinion, it's not the end of the world. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you feel, pal. But like, if Mets fans and baseball fans in general, with Steve Cohen coming in, expected them to just sign every available free agent and think you're nuts. Yeah, and um, I mean, Mets fans, you know, some of them probably thought that was going to happen. They were going to, you know, 
uh, sign Bauer. They were going to sign Springer. They were going to get all the top tier bullpen guys. And, you know, realistically, that's just not possible, even though, you know, he is the uh, wealthiest owner in all of baseball. But, you know, the Mets still have to do this wisely. Um, You know, Sandy Alderson brought up a good point when they were talking about trying to replace Robinson Cano when he um, got suspended, saying, you know, we could – I think it was in reference to like DJ LeMahieu saying, yeah, you know, his, his contract is coming off the books, but we are going to have to, you know, take that contract back on for the remainder of whatever his deal has. So while it might make sense right now to try and replace him with a guy long-term, it's just going to, you know, add more onto the salary cap or the luxury tax. And uh, you know, the Mets, even though they, you know, might sweat out money, they, uh, you know, still have to be smart and, who they acquire, what they do. I mean, there was a report today that said that the Mets offered Trevor Bauer, um, you know, the most money ever for an average annual salary yeah. that would have surpassed Garrett Cole's $36 million. And uh, then the guy, you know, backtracked that report and said they have made a formal offer to Trevor Bauer, but it is not above $36 million per year. Yeah. So, but obviously we'll talk about the Bauer stuff in a minute, but as far as, like, George Springer goes – like, if I'm the Mets, I'm Sandy Alderson, I'm Steve Cohen, I'm kind of thinking about this long-term-wise because there's a lot of factors here that most fans don't really think about because some of the guys I'm going to name are, like, have a couple years of arbitration, but, like, you still got to look forward to signing these guys. Like, they already are paying James McCann, they're paying him, like, 30 million dollars a year, I believe. No, I'm sorry, yeah, no, they're paying him $10 million, and they're, they're paying Jacob deGrom $25.5 million a year. Like or twenty seven point five million dollars, rather. Like, and you got to think about Francisco Lindor too. I think he's a big factor in this. I mean, he's gonna get a multi year, like a ten year, three hundred million dollar deal, Mookie Betts type deal. So you got to think about that. Lindor's priority number one. If I'm the New York Mets, even before the season even gets started, and then of course the big you know question behind Michael Conforto's extension. He's gonna be a free agent at the end of the year. I think that should be more of a priority right now than a George Springer. But they also have to pay guys like Dom Smith, Pete Alonzo, McNeil, guys like that that are going to like are have a couple of years of arbitration, but you still got to think about those things a little bit. Like, we, we have come to understand that, especially when you have a new awesome owner with 14 beautiful billion dollars, that money is a luxury in baseball, but you have to use it the right way and use it smart. So I think that's what the Mets are kind of doing here. They did offer George Springer a lot of money. He just got more years in Toronto. But I think I think it's okay. I think it's fine that the Mets, you know, they put an offer out there. If he took it, then he's, he's going to be a New York Met. But he's not. The Mets tried. And it's not like they're being cheap or nothing, but we got we have to remember. They're about to spend $300 million on Francisco Lindor if he wants to come back and be a Met. That's, you know, to be determined. But also paying Jacob deGrom, paying McCann. Like, this, these things add up. And, and especially if, you, if you're going to go after Bauer, which we'll talk about in a second, that's going to put more on your plate if you're the Mets. So you, they really had to think about this. I don't think it's the end of the world that George Springer isn't a Met. No, um, I mean, they do need outfield help, but I think there's a lot more cheaper options out there, like a Jackie Bradley Jr. that they could, you know, bring in. Um, Marcelo Zuna, too, is still out there. Yeah, I mean, clearly they're not the same players that George Springer is, but. You know, they can still do a job. And the Mets, the main thing they're looking for is defense. And Jackie Bradley Jr., that's like, you know, what he's known for as a baseball player is his defensive ability in center field. I mean, I think I brought up this point probably 
this is probably like the fifth time I've said this on here, but he hit like 200 two seasons ago. Red Sox still wrote him into the lineup every single day because of, you know, how important he was on the defensive side of the field. Right. Yeah, you got Ozuna out there. Jackie Bradley Jr. is the name that's going to be most connected. Like Eddie Rosario, Jock Peterson, like still multiple free agents out there that are quality defensive outfielders and can produce on offense. But I think the big important part is why they why they wanted Springer so bad, why Mets fans wanted Springer so bad, and why they would like to have him. They need a defensive outfielder. So I think they at least need to bring in another guy because to me personally, I don't like I don't want to see Jeff McNeil play the outfield. I want him to play second base. I don't want to see Dom Smith, you know, in a given situation, depending if there's a DH this season. He can play the outfield, but I want to see him rotate and platoon at first base and DH. I don't want to have to have him worry about playing in the outfield all the time. You can't rely on him to play in the outfield. He's not a natural outfielder. So, I mean, I think the Mets have to bring in another another outfielder here. Jackie Bradley Jr. Jr. is the ideal name if it wasn't George Springer. Uh, yeah, doesn't produce offensively that much, but the Mets need defense. They got plenty of offense. They need defense. Yeah, I mean... You know, they, they have bats that they can put in the outfield. I mean, Dom Smith, Michael Conforto, McNeil can play out there. I mean, I think McNeil's going to be the everyday second baseman for this team because, you know, people forget that that's his natural position because he never plays there. Um, if you're looking at the depth chart but, right now, it's Luis Guillorme. So, yeah. I don't um, think you want to do that. Yeah. And then JD Day, I mean, just going through the lineup real quick, it's going to be James McCann at catcher, Pete Alonso first, McNeil second, um, Lindor at shortstop. Uh, J.D. Davis at third, probably Tom Smith and left, right? As it stands right now, Nimmo would probably play center and Conforto would play right. So you have two, you know, solid players in the outfield. Um, I, it was interesting that Sandy Alderson said that Dom Smith is a first baseman um, in a recent interview. I think it was with um, Evan and Craig on WFAN where he said that uh, – Dom Smith is a first baseman. So if that, you know, deters them from playing him in the outfield, who knows? Um, but, you know, the only question mark there in the outfield is Nimmo. People, you know, like the way he hustles down the ba- first baseline when he walks. Or he gets on base real or, effectively. <laughs> yeah, you know, he play, people like the way he plays the game. Like, he plays the game the right way. But, you know, he does get on base a lot. But uh, that's kind of all he does. He doesn't really hit. He just walks and somehow gets on base. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think it's the end of the world that Springer's not a man. It's more of an, it's more annoying that he's in the American League East than we have to deal with him how many freaking times a year. Yeah. And you know, with Boba Shet and Vladdy, and I'm forgetting other names. But you know, if I'm a Mets fan and I'm upset that George Springer is not on my baseball team, if you're the Mets and you want to please those fans, which I mean, we're not in the business of pleasing fans. I mean, we know that all too well, rooting for our football team. But if I'm the Mets, what I do is I go out there and I sign the F out of Trevor Bauer. That's what I do. I mean, this report coming out today, pal, like this this re- close-to-record-setting deal, conflicting reports and whatever that originally came out of the USA Today, you know, you mentioned it before, be close to the average annual salary of Garrett Cole, but it would make, it would and it would have made him one of the highest-paid players in that situation. But the question is, for me at least, is Bauer worth that? Like, that astronomical contract, you know, beforehand. You know, to be honest with you, I don't know. But, because we think about Trevor Bauer's 2020, you know, was it legit? Was it a flash in the pan? Like, that's the case with everybody in 2020 right now. We don't know who's good. We don't know who's bad in in, in this crazy year. But, 
besides last year and 2018 when he was in Cleveland, the guy was an average starting pitcher at best with like a four plus ERA, you know, average. So, I mean, are you willing to pay that? If that's the case, if you're willing to pay that kind of contract for a guy that's not even going to be your ace, mind you, because if he becomes a New York Met, he's not the ace on this staff. It's Jacob DeGrom's rotation. The head starts with Jake right here. But adding Bauer at number two would be lethal for the Mets. I I totally understand it. Probably the best one-two other than Darvish and Blake Snell. We still have to see them pitch, obviously. But, I mean, the question is... I mean, I think DeGrom and Bauer's number one. Well, yeah. But, of course, we got to see them pitch on the field together. Of course, we got to see... That's the question, though. We don't know what we're going to get out of Bauer. We don't know what Bauer's going to be. Is he going to be this 1.2 Cy Young Award-winning second guy on this rotation, or is he going to be the the average 3.9 ERA guy that he is? Yeah. And I don't... And if I'm the Mets, like, obviously, it fills out your rotation. You got DeGrom, you got... Bauer in that situation, you got Carlos Carrasco, Stroman. I think me personally, I think they, I think Peterson should be the fifth starter going into spring training. But like, and then the other situation too, like God forbid an injury happens, right? They won't have to let Seth say, hey, Seth Lugo, you got to start now. We got to take you out of the bullpen when the bullpen is their most needed asset right now. But I just don't know how I feel about paying a number two starter more than you're going to end up paying your ace. I don't know if that's the case. But, you know, with this report coming out, but Bauer hasn't proved it enough to me where he can consistently be that that guy that we saw in 2020. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have a, uh, you know, a huge sample size of showing that he can be, you know, that absolutely dominant uh, pitcher. And, you know, I think something with Trevor Bauer is, too, that um, you really have to find a, a team and an organization that kind of shares his love of analytics and you know the whole scientific reasons behind what he does and um I mean just looking at his career stats um like he's a career I mean, four he, ERA guy like that like that's who, yeah, that's three, who he is yeah yeah three nine ERA his next best was 2.21 in 2018 with the Indians and then he's only been below four a four ERA three times in his career 2.21, 3.79 with Cleveland in 2019. And then the Reds traded for him in 2019. He had a 6.39 ERA. Um, and then obviously last year, the 1.73. But, you know, it's also hard to look at things from last year too because he pitched against the same six or seven teams how many times? Like, it's not like he faced, you know, he was what, in the Central Division? He faced yeah. the Tigers, the White Sox, um, the Cubs, the Pirates, like he faced in in the Tigers and the Pirates, two really bad lineups, however many times. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that could play into something, but I, I mean, I'm not discounting, you know, his ability and all that kind of stuff too, because I think he is a really good pitcher and I would take him on the Yankees. But again, it's, it's trying to, f- you know, fit, ha- let him fit in with your organizational values on analytics and because he's, you know, driven and run analytically like anything that he can you know look at down to the like smallest degree of change he's going to do that Mm -hmm. so you know i i don't know what the mets you know with this whole new regime do do they like that kind of thing like it takes a special person to be able to deal with trevor bauer yeah man i mean 
I feel like it would be a good fit. Like, you got... It's kind of like a yin and a yang kind of thing. Like, Jacob deGrom mm-hmm. is such this quiet kind of guy, and then you got Trevor Bauer, who's the loudmouth kind of... You know, he's, he's kind of got that attitude for New York City. It's just... I don't know if I love the idea of paying a guy that's not your ace more than it's than your ace is making. I just don't know if I love that idea, to be honest with you. But yeah, I'm. I mean, what was the grumps like? A hundred and fifty something million dollars he got. I don't know what that like AAV is, comes out to. But, he's, ma- uh, he's making twenty seven point five average. Average, you know, a year. Wow. Um, this year he's making thirty three point five. Next year he'll make thirty three point five. Twenty twenty three thirty point five. Twenty twenty four is a club option year, but they're obviously going to pick that up. I think. That goes yeah. Saying. Um. I, I mean, it would be the best rotation in baseball, no doubt. Yes. I mean, them and the Padres would battle one and two for the best rotation in baseball. I think you know it could have its benefits in the playoffs as well because Trevor Bauer has come out and said that he wants to pitch every fourth day. He's like that old school pitcher that mm-hmm. wants to pitch as much as possible. So you know, having him pitch a game one and a five or a game two and a five isn't really a problem considering the end of the year when the Reds were making that run towards the playoffs, they pitched him as much as possible. Like he pitched whenever he could, every third, every fourth day, um, and was effective. So like, I'm kind of I'm trying to think about this. Why he hasn't been signed yet? And I'm, I'm I can only come up with. I feel like teams are feeling like this is a flash in the pan kind of year. I don't know if I want to give this guy this much money. So the fact no. that like the fact that there are reports coming out and you know it's it's you know it's not completely accurate, but it's just the fact that you're gonna pay a guy that's just not your number one starter. And a guy that had one flash in the pan kind of year, and who knows? It could be, it couldn't. It could be, it could not be. I mean, we don't know. But like, I just think the market should be. You know, it's going to be down on him because I think teams are afraid of paying a guy a lot of money and him just kind of being the average three point nine ERA guy that Trevor Bauer is. Yeah, I mean, you know, previously we've also seen guys take forever to sign. I mean, you look at Machado and Harper that offseason, they signed. Listen, I think the reason why he hasn't signed yet is because this whole thing they saw as a social media stunt for the entire time. They want to drag this out as much as possible. I mean, you know, you look at his YouTube channel that he had over the course of – over the course of the season where he did the, the COVID in season videos and, you know, those were really good. And then, you know, he releases videos saying like, Oh, update on my free agency. And he tweets out things to every single team looking for, you know, it, it's a social media stunt at this point, even if they got the contract that they wanted right away. Like, I don't, I firmly believe that he wouldn't have signed it. He would have let it sit there for a while. So he could continue to, you know, play around with other teams and uh, you know, try and get other teams fans hopes up. And, you know, like they, they taught, this was all talked about a social media strategy. And like I said, I think if he got a contract that they would have taken right away, that I don't think he would have signed it right away. He would have let it brew and, or maybe, you know, they would have had some sort of verbal agreement that they didn't actually sign and just let it, you know, continue to be the way that it was for, how how much longer? Like I'm trying, so, I'm trying to think too. Like, what other team would want him? Like, what other teams have been linked to him? Like, it's it's been the Mets, the Dodgers. Uh, yeah, but like it it hasn't been as consistent as the Mets this whole time. 
So it kind of just seems like fate right now that it's the Mets or or what? <laughs> like, pretty much. I mean... Uh, yeah, I mean... It's just... Uh, I don't I know. Ju- I just think teams Again, don't... The market I just think... for the mar- Go ahead. Go ahead. The market for big-time players in baseball like always takes a long time to develop unless you're Garrett Cole and the Yankees because that was just destined to happen. Right. Like, he was going to sign with the Yankees and that was going to be that. Like... Just get it done. And he's the complete opposite from Trevor Bauer. He just wanted to get it done and get it over with. Like, it's starting to get annoying at this point how Trevor Bauer is just, you know, like, oh, like, it's just all about me, 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 me. Like, just sign the freaking contract already. And his freaking agent trying to, like, fight with reporters about, like, oh, that's cute. Like, you made this report, but that's not true. Just shut up and sign the contract already. Like, it's getting really annoying at this point. Like, it, it... (laughs) <laughs> like he thinks like baseball needs more of that. Like, you know, Mike Trout, we talked about this before too. The a random guy on the street wouldn't be able to tell Mike Trout out from the next random Joe that walked by him. That's like, a lot. Of, that's a lot on baseball more, though. Not being able to market their players. Yeah. But like baseball, you know, needs some more Trevor Bowers where they can market themselves. And, you know, I still don't think people would be able to recognize Trevor Bauer if, you know, any random person, but like at this point, it's just getting kind of annoying. Just like sign the contract. Like, just let the negotiations be the negotiations. Like his agent is freaking releasing videos in the off season. Like, just 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 sign the contract. Like, there, there's no need to like be any more me me me. Just just like it's, just sign the freaking thing. Like, yeah, like it's it's weird because we don't have any concrete evidence that. Trevor Bauer, like the Mets have offered Trevor Bauer this this contract or some kind of contract. Like we don't like we don't have any. Well, the USA Today guy said the Mets confirmed they gave him a formal offer, but I haven't seen anyone else say yeah. it. Like Heyman reported before that the contract they or the the contract they prepared or whatever isn't for the you know all time highest AAV ever. Um, but they do hold some interest, like there's conflicting reports everywhere. Like, dude, did they offer it to him? Did they not? Like, obviously they have interest in him, but yeah, I don't know. I would be a super, it would be a super rotation though. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I could see him being the kind of person that takes us to spring training. Like Mm -hmm. he's throwing on his own. He, I I mean, I think the reds are completely out of it. You haven't seen any. No, I don't think they'd be able to afford that kind of contract anyway. Like, I don't think so. Either. I, don't, I don't know. But, all right, so that's really it for the Mets. Obviously, we'll keep everybody updated as far as that goes. So let's move to the Bronx. Let's move to the Yankees. They trade for Pirates starting pitcher Jamison Irish Whiskey because uh, I don't know how to say the guy's last name. i got to be honest with you. <laughs> but never, I think like, it's Jamison Tyone? Tyone? Something like that. But something like that. the Yankees send a couple prospects to the Pirates for Jamison Irish Whiskey services. But, I mean, let's be real. They pretty much gave up nothing. Pretty much. But... Like we don't know much about this guy. I didn't know much. I didn't even know the guy. I don't even know the guy's last name for crying out loud. But we do know he's got like a awesome story. Like the guy battled testicular cancer, he had two Tommy John surgeries. You know he hasn't pitched in two years, but he was the number two overall pick in 2010. I mean, do I like it? I mean, it's it's okay. Like I I truly really don't know what to feel. I mean, for Yankee fans, it doesn't really move the needle for me. I mean, it's good that he's a proven guy. He's been around for a while. He's apparently he's best friends with Garrett Cole. That's yeah, cool. He's best friends with Garrett Cole, which is, which is, I mean, probably more of the reason why he's here in pinstripes. But you kind of assume the guy's going to be a number three, number four starter. 
you know, behind Cole and Corey Kluber, and then we'll see what's up with Luis Severino. But um, I don't know. It doesn't really move the needle for me. But, I mean, the Yankees need some kind of rotation depth here. I mean, it's pretty much a flyer. Like, they gave up nothing. The highest prospect they gave him was, like, the 15th-ranked prospect in the Yankees' farm system. He's owed, like, $2 million this year. Like, there really wasn't any other starters out there on the market that they could have, you know, signed organically instead of trading for them. I mean, are you going to trade for a guy like, I mean, there's rumors that Kyle Hendricks might be available. That would be a trade that you'd probably have to give up Frazier and Andujar for. Mm -hmm. Like that Luis Castillo trade that was rumored for, you know, back a couple weeks or a month ago. Like, there's not really many other starters out there that you'd be able to, you know, get a deal like this for. I mean, I think if, you know, Garrett Cole speaks highly of him, you know, that's, you know, definitely something that, you know, should hold some, some weight. I mean, he hasn't had the best uh, stats uh, so far in his career. I mean, he hasn't pitched, like you said, since 2019. Um, He has four years of MLB service so far. So I think he has two more years of team control. He was five and four with a three, three, eight ERA in 2016, eight and seven with a four, four, four. 2018, he was 14 and 10 with a three, two. So that's not too bad. He started 32 games. Um, and then 2019, I think that's when, you know, I think he so, you know, something happened, Tommy John or whatever. Yeah. Um, he went two and three with a four one Oh, so, you know, his ERAs haven't been horrible. I mean, four, 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 you know, like isn't great, but it's not like, you know, abysmal, like, um, but if you can get like a three, three, eight or a three, two, and you give up that little for him, you know, that's, you know, a bargain for, uh, Brian Cashman. And, um, you know, that allows you to build onto the bullpen as you know, I'm sure we'll get into next, uh, the Yankees have a need for bullpen help now. And I, I don't really understand the move. I mean, we, we were never fans of Adam Onovito on this show. Let's be honest, but they trade him to the Red Neither Sox. Was Aaron Boone. Yeah, exactly. And you know, he, they trade them to the, they trade him to the Red Sox along with the prospect and like Yankees, Red Sox never make a trade unless you're Babe Ruth again. Thank you. Red Sox for that. Um, which is the most famous trade maybe in Major League Baseball history. But, I mean, the Yankees will get cash and a player to be named later. But, you know, Adovino, you know, we killed him on this podcast. You know, struggled in 2019 in the postseason, and then he had a horrendous 2020. But, you know, outside of Green, Britain, Chapman, like the bullpen is just bare right now. Like, it's Johnny Lewisica, it's Ben Heller, like – I don't know. I have a bad feeling about this bullpen. <laughs> yeah, they definitely need reinforcements. I Luis Sessa, our friend, is still uh, on the team. Like pretty much the only options are Chad Green, Zach Britton, and Aroldis Chapman. Like, that's Unless it. I'm forgetting someone, no. like that. That's it. You're not. That, that's it. <laughs> and we saw how that worked out in the playoffs. Like it, it didn't really work very well. Like I don't know. I don't know with that bullpen. Again, we're gonna see how things work out during the season. But like right now. How do you how do you not say that Toronto is the favorite in the AL East right now? Like, like they they got I mean, everything. It's they're definitely second. I mean, the Rays are so hard because, like, on paper you just never think they're going to be anything, and then they always like overperform. Like, I just think they the, the, I think, I think they, because they don't have Snell, that'll hurt them. Oh yeah, that'll definitely hurt them on the pitching sense. But Kevin Cash, you know, as much as we think he's a douche and we think he's a clown, like big douche. Yeah, he, he's a good manager and like they get things out of their players that, you know, most other managers won't be wouldn't be able to do because they have like one of the lowest pay lowest uh, 
uh, payrolls in all of baseball. And um, the Garrett Cole makes more than like three quarters of their lineup. Like, I just think I'm thinking like hangover, like, uh, like they were in the world series. I'm that's what, that's what I'm, that's my thought process. I'm thinking it definitely could. Hangover. And you know, maybe people were underestimating the Rays because of, you know, their small, um, payroll. And do we really think Randy Arozarena is going to be the same, the same guy that we saw in the playoffs? I mean, especially cause he's now in like domestic issues. Like there's headlines yeah, going on around him knows? lately. Who knows? I think blue, the blue Jays are definitely the second best team in the division. But I think if the Yankees play to their abilities, which, you know, we all know that they don't have the time, but uh, if they play to their abilities and they can say relatively healthy, I think they'll still win the AL East. Um, it also depends if Cashman makes any more moves this offseason. Um, and, you know, we need to see what this pitching staff looks like because if the pitching staff can, you know, outperform some of the expectations of Corey Kluber can even get to like half or three quarters of the Cy Young Corey Kluber, like, that's a heck of a one-two punch as well. Take that to the bank. Um, yeah, and, you know, if Tyone if – Jameson can give us something. <laughs> We're going to have to wait until uh, John Sterling tells us how to pronounce it, oh, and Susan, Susan's going to struggle with that <laughs> name. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we, need, we need to see if Herman can give us anything, if he can even pitch. Like, Severino, when he comes back, what kind of guy is he going to be? I mean, it's, it's sad that we're not going to see Tanaka, you know, anymore as a Yankee. Uh, all indications are pointing that he's going to go back to Japan, but it's kind of good to know that he only wanted to play for the Yankees though. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Um, he'll, he'll be back to old timers day. I'm sure at some point him and Hideki. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the pitching staff is the biggest question because we know we're going to get from the lineup. Like, you know, DJ is going to be there at one judge and the biggest mark is what the heck is going to happen to catchers Gary Sanchez is going to be able to you know act like he's semi of a baseball player yeah. um but and you know, and DJ, we have to and we have to expect that Gio Urshela is going to like coming off surgery going to ex- like expect him to play yeah. at the level he did and, and you know and then you know what who's going to play left field I would assume that it would be Clint Frazier every day I mean all indications I think are pointing that garden back at some point like, in some fashion mm-hmm. they're going to probably re-sign him I, I would assume to a bench spot but you never know i mean brett gardner's such like an up and down player like, you know i think clint frazier the way he played last year he deserves to be the everyday uh left fielder and you know we just have to hope judge and stanton can stay healthy luke voigt what is he going to be able to you know build upon what he did last year um and then, you know, I think we can assume from DJ to be a 300, you know, average hitter. But, you know, Glaber, what 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 kind of Glaber are we going to get at shortstop? Is he going to be able to field the ball? Is he going to be able to hit? Like, there are question marks around the Yankees team, but I think, you know, the Blue Jays, I mean, Vladdy didn't really have that great of a year last year. And I think, you again, know, Bo Bichette was hurt for – Again. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I think – uh you know, the Blue Jays are number one, but the Yankees – or the Blue Jays are number two, but I think the Yankees are still, you know, favorites in the AL East. All right, so that's really it for baseball talk. We'll take a break. When we come back, Robert Sala has officially been introduced as the New York Jets head coach. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk Knicks and Nets as well. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with the Tri-State Sports Beat. Do you have thoughts you want to share, have questions, comments, or hot takes surrounding the world of New York sports? We want to hear from you. So give us a call on the new 24-7 Tri-State Sports Beat fan line. Call our new toll-free number at 862-260-4315 and leave us a voicemail with your questions and comments so you can be heard on that week's episode of the Tri-State Sports Beat. 
Again, that's 862-260-4315. We can't wait to hear from you, New York sports fans. All gas, no break. That's where the New York freaking Jets are headed. Get used to the mantra, all gas, no break. I'm going fast again! <laughs> Jets are going fast again, baby. Oh, let me tell you. That Robert Sala press conference, pal, that was basically everything we could have asked for and maybe a little bit more. Because, I mean, it was weird because people were like, oh, you know, he wasn't really that. He didn't really have that much energy, blah, blah, blah. Like, he basically wasn't pounding his fist and 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 bumping his chest like King Kong, like everyone expected to, I guess. But, man, like he said all the, like, and you could tell he was kind of nervous, too. Like, during the press conference, stuttering a little bit. But, I mean, that's given. He's You're the head coach of the New York freaking Jets. Like, hello. But, dude, he, impre- he impressed the hell out of me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he was, like, two or three, like, memorable, like, quotable moments from it being, like, a home run. Like, he didn't have his eyes bulging out of his freaking head. He actually had a little bit of energy. Uh, he wasn't Rex Ryan. Like no. he wasn't. We're gonna win Super Bowls and we're gonna let the Patriots kiss our rings. Well, he did. He did crap, say but... that we're winning champ. Like he wants to compete and win championships. Well, he actually said, win "Well, yeah, championships." Well, yeah, but it wasn't Laurel Rex Ryan esque championships. It wasn't. It wasn't Rex Ryan esque. Um, no. But like, like you said, it. It's um, it's also nice to know that you know he wants to be here. Like. I mean, I'm sure all the other head coach wants, wanted to be here too, but Adam Gase wasn't the number one option for the Jets. It wasn't Bowles being chased wasn't by any other NFL team. Todd Bowles was not. Freaking Charlie Casserly found him. <laughs> uh, but credit to Todd Bowles, first of all. Congratulations to Todd Bowles for the Buccaneers, the uh, NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. Good good for him. Um, I think was Rex our number one guy? I don't even uh, – That was 10 years ago. I don't I don't. Really I can't remember. even remember that far back. Um but the fact that, you know, he keeps saying that I've watched so many interviews with him after he was introduced, like the Rich Eisen show, mm-hmm. both WFAN shows, the ESPN radio, like he uh, he keeps saying that it was meant to be. I mean, it's becoming well known that his brother was in one of the towers in 9-11, uh, fortunately got out. But um, the Jets first game is the day after the 20th anniversary of nine 11. And he's the 20th head coach in New York Jets history. So keep saying it was meant to be and that he deserves to be here. And uh, you know, all roads have led him to be here in the Jets head coach. And he's actually taking pride in holding that, you know um, that title of New York Jets head coach. And um, I think it was on Evan and it was on Carton and Roberts on WFAN. If you haven't yet, go listen to his interview with them but they bring up 9-11 and, you know, the impact of that, you know, um, moment on the city and, you know, uh, all that. And, you know, I, he gets like choked up talking about how, you know, just his whole road, 9-11 kind of led him to be a football coach and how he, you know, saw himself um, not doing what he loved and how he had to get back into football. So, if you haven't yet go listen to that interview because you know it really gives you like goosebumps when you hear him talk about just you know the pride that he has of being uh in new york and being the head coach of the new york jets and um i'm sure it'll be a an emotional day for him on september 12th just knowing that you know yeah yes his brother did get out but there were so many other people that you know were unfortunately less fortunate but um yeah it, 
there's nothing you can't love about him so far. He's yeah, it was, de- it was definitely an in, awesome story. He's bringing in the right guys. He's bringing in the right philosophies. I mean, just everything he's said and done so far is, I think guys, I mean, you're seeing it in the rumors now and what everyone's saying, guys are going to want to come play here for the Jets because of the guy that they have leading this football team out of the locker room every single week. Mm-hmm. But And the thing where Salah says, you know, Remember the mantra, all gas, no break. Like, he's trying to bring some kind of respectability back to the Jets, and he wants to do it, like, 100 miles an hour. Like, he wants to, like, he wants to do this. He understands that, like, like the guy's been around football a long time. He understands it's a process, and he kept saying that. He understands it's a process, but we're going to attack it every single day. Like, and the, and the big thing is, too, like, he want like he wants his players to, like, not just attack the field fast, but, like, approach life, do everything, like, Get out of bed, make your bed, like do the right thing and, and do it 100% of the time. Like, dude, if I could have like a Robert Sala like sitting on my shoulder, like motivating me every day, I would freaking love that. I'm sure everybody would freaking love that. But the guy's a master motivator and he's, a, and we could already tell, like we knew he was going to win the press conference already, but you know, he, but he won it. He completely won us over. And, and I got to tell you, anybody that thinks that Sala's, you know, mantra is just a shtick, uh, take a listen to this real quick. Uh, here, Coach Sala wants to talk to you too. Uh, for sure. Oh yeah, brother. What up, Sala? Hey, congratulations, man. Looks like we're gonna be golfing. Oh yeah, it's gonna be an awesome time, man. Uh, you're gonna fit right in. Uh, just coming with that mindset. Let's get after this passer. It's gonna be awesome. Can't wait to get you up here, brother. All right. But uh, congratulations, man. All gas, brother. Thank you. All right, man. That was uh, the night that Nick Bosa was drafted. All gas. All gas, brother. That like. Makes the hairs on my neck stand up. Yeah, uh, the smile that just put on my face. Is, <laughs> oh wow! Makes my hair stand up. But sixteen and zero, here we come. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Joe did say he he saw he never thinks that we're gonna lose Robert Sala as our head coach. So <laughs> we might go sixteen and zero five years straight. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, he also did say one of his game day routines is to shave his beautiful bald head and running the stadium stairs. Yeah. Oh. If I could run those stadium stairs, that's what that should be like a Jets season ticket holder thing. Like if you get enough points at the end of the year, you get to run the stairs with Robert Sala. Instead of having a uh, team sponsored 5K, we just run the stairs with Coach Sala. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Southside Productions, get on that. <laughs> <laughs> but like the big like, and and you could tell that Sala just cares about that. Like he understands like the NFL is a business, and I totally get, and he totally understands that. But like he wants to build relationships with these guys. But, like, I I had a question for that, too. I was like, so what's going to happen when somebody wants to, like, be traded away from the Jets? Or what's somebody or, – or, or the Jets trade away somebody? Like, what's that going to mean? But I was trying not to think about that because it's all positive in the moment. Like, Sala wants to build a family here. You know, he didn't say it quite like Mickey Calloway did when Mickey Calloway literally said we're going to love all of our players and kiss them and hug them and, and make sure they have teddy bears at night. But, you know, but he wants to connect with his guys. Like, he wants to have – interpersonal relationships with every single one of his guys, offense, defense, special teams. And it was to like, it kind of was to my surprise, honestly, that Sala ended up hiring a defensive coordinator because, you know, we, there was a lot of stuff going on. You know, we, you know, we were talking about, he hasn't signed a defensive coordinator yet. Like, is he going to call a defensive plays? You know, we didn't think it was much of a big deal. I thought it was a bigger, not as big of a deal, but I thought it was a bigger deal than you guys thought because, I want him to be that CEO type head coach. I want him to be involved in every aspect of the game. And that's what we're going to get out of Sala 
He's going to have a defensive coordinator calling plays. He's going to have Mike LaFleur calling the offense. And he's going to be able to do things that head coaches do, time management, worry about challenges and stuff like that, you know, down and distance and stuff like that. So I saw right now, like, it's hard to – It's if you're a Jet fan, if you hate the Robert Sala hire, I don't know where you've been. I don't even know if you're a Jet fan. i got to be honest with you. But I mentioned it before when we first started talking about this. Like, the most important part to me was that he wants to win – championships not just one he wants to win multiple championships and he wants to build a sustained culture here and like and I get it that that word culture is overused in sports a lot and we tend to use it a lot here but like that's what he's trying to do like the Jets have been a laughing stock for a decade plus now like we're trying they're trying to build something here and it, and it seems like legit but but again, Salah realizes it's going to take time to build this kind of thing and build relationships with his players. But like, when was the last time we heard a Jets head coach say that? It was Rex Ryan. Gase never said it. Bowles never said it. Rex said it and almost backed it up. It was two wins away from going to the Super Bowl two straight years. But and but you could tell that Salah just has that winning mentality, that it factor. And it doesn't feel phony. It feels absolutely genuine. Yeah, 100%. I think he's a guy that guys will get excited to play for. Um, I think Quinnen... We'll just talk about some individual. I He's think already Quinnen's praised Quinnen already. Yeah, I think Quinnen could be a freaking beast with with him and you know that whole um, defensive word scheme. I'm trying to think of. So, yeah, but like the the whatever. The, we'll go with the scheme, the whole defensive yeah. scheme. Um, I think Quinnen could be a beast. Um, I, I think you know Makai has also talked about. Um, yeah, I. I mean, the, the whole Shanahan offense is about, like, outside runs and, you know, they're just going to be able to run behind Makai all day long. Like, we'll actually have a head coach that will run behind our big offensive lineman. Like, what a freaking... And it won't, and it won't take an offensive mastermind to figure that out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what a freaking day that'll be. But, um, yeah, I, I just think, you know, like I said, there's going to... This is going to be a coach and a destination now that guys want to come play for. Um, and you know, does Jamal now wish that he didn't ask out of, uh, New I bet York? your ass I mean, he does. Uh, yeah, I just hope Gase gets hired there as the offensive coordinator. Cause that'd be fantastic. <laughs> that would be such karma. Absolutely. Oh, I need that to happen. Absolutely. Um, but I think, you know, I want to get your thoughts on this. The big talking point, you know, of course, this whole off season is going to be the quarterback. Sala did not verbally say that he is committed to Sam Darnold being the starter week one next year. Uh, after you heard what he said, what do you think is going to be the status of Sam coming into 2021? I mean, Sala really just said all the right things that he was kind of supposed to. I mean, it's kind of hard to say that, you know, in a situation the Jets are in, number two pick, a certain Houston Texans quarterback may, like, really want to come here. I mean... It's hard to say because, like, you can't just say, yeah, Sam's not going to be our quarterback. We're getting him the hell out of here. Like, well, Sala made it clear that, you know, every player, including Sam, is going to have, like, his utmost attention. And we're going to, you know, treat him, like, if when he's here, we're going to treat him, like, as we should and stuff like that. Sala's, like, a big, seems to be a big people person. That's what it seems to be. Like, he genuinely cares about people. He's more than just a football coach, which is... Not a bad thing if you're the Jets right now, need more than just football. But, I mean, 
Sal, I think he answered it fine. Like, I had no problem with that. I mean, to be honest, because coming from a guy that's ready to move on from Sam after supporting him for so many years, I still wouldn't mind if Sam was the quarterback of this team. Just surround him with weapons. That's all I ask. And a competent coaching staff, which seems to be on paper the case. But I just think it's time for a change of the guard. I just don't. I just think Sam would be better off somewhere else. I, but if you're Sala, like you can't, you can't just say, "Yeah, we're looking into other options." Like, oh, I don't count on Sam being the quarterback here. Like he does say the same thing in every interview. Loves the arm talent of Sam. There's a reason he was the number three overall pick. Stuff like that. I mean, do I think there's more of a chance now that Sam is back? Sure, but again. I hate talking about this before we get to the draft. I hate talking about this in January because we can't believe anything until we see what happens with the draft or the New York Jets, Joe Douglas, sack up those draft picks and send them all the way to Houston, and in turn we get to Sean Watson. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, so with that being said, when did, when is the date that Sean Watson is going to be a Jet? <laughs> uh I don't know. I mean, I think there's a date that it has to happen by or something like that, or he can't be traded until a certain date or something. People keep bringing up St. Patrick's Day as where your Sean Watson Green Day or something oh, yeah. like that. So, oh, yes. Um, I'm I don't know if that's That'd the day fantastic. that it has to happen by, but uh, listen, I... Pal, I'm all in. I'm all in. Three first-round picks, <laughs> Sam Darnold, let's roll. Sala. Deshaun Watson, Mike LaFleur, let's roll. All in. I mean, I'm all in too, but... You don't seem it. You're not seeming it right now. You're seeming a tad little hesitant. can't rip us off. What do you mean? Like, as long as they're not asking for, like, four picks and, like, five of, like... As long as they're not asking for, like, four picks, Quinn and Mims, like... Well, you don't think... Well, first off, too, is the the no-trade clause. Deshaun wants to come here. He's coming here. And, the, and he can kind of say, hey, you know, you can't blue ball the freaking Jets. I want to go there. Give them what they, you know, give them what they ask for or what's fair kind of deal. That's yeah. why this whole trade clause, no trade clause, plays a big deal. That'd be very nice if it worked that way. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I don't see Joe Douglas, you know, opening up the vault and letting the Texans pick from whatever they want. Like he's still no, gonna be I don't smart. Admit, no, no, I don't either. He's he's still gonna be smart in making a deal for you know Deshaun Watson. But listen, Deshaun Watson, you could argue is a top five quarterback in this league right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, and I I don't think the Texans would want Sam back either. So that could be more draft capital that you, you know, get from this deal because it would be a separate deal to trade Sam away. But I mean, I'm all in. But it's just got to be the right deal. Like you can't set us back for years just to get to Sean Watson because it could go the Texans, what the Texans did this year. They still went four and 12, even though the Sean Watson threw for the most passing yards in the entire league. Like it still has to make sense for, you know, this team moving forward. And I think I trust Joe Douglas to, you know, make that deal. I mean, we never thought he was going to get two first round picks for Jamal. And, you know, uh, we thought we were going to be pissed off when he traded Jamal I was not pissed Ew. off when I saw what we were getting back. Ew. I mean, I trust Joe Douglas and what he's, you know, going to think is the right value to trade away for Deshaun Watson. And, you know, I think if it does happen, we're going to say, okay, that's a lot, but it's not going to be something that we can't overcome with Deshaun. It's going to be worth it. Like, so let's say it's three, let's say it's three first round picks. You, you like, you're doing that. No question. As long as it's not our own first round pick next year. 
So you would want it to be Seattle's pick. Yes. Fair. All right. Because there's no guarantee we're going to be good next year. Like that could still be a top 10 pick or a top 15 pick. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be important to the development of this team. And I want Joe Douglas to have as many first round picks as possible, um, you know, in high picks um, because we see what he can do with first round picks. I mean, it's only one, it's not a huge sample size. It's only one pick, but he, you know, hit on an all pro left tackle. And, so, he, and he maybe hit on a second, a second round wide receiver. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, you know, we get a quarterback in that can show off that, uh, that ability, but. Um, That's the big thing too, about Deshaun Watson is that he will actually make Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder better. Sam doesn't do that. A rookie quarterback doesn't do that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think this system is going to be very quarterback friendly, like complete. Yeah. Complimentary to, to the quarterback, whoever it is. I think it's going to be, I mean, People have written articles. I think it was Connor Hughes that wrote that um, Zach Wilson's, you know, game and what he can do on the field fits perfectly in a system that's run by, you know, a Shanahan offense. I'm still Uh, about him, too. If the Jets don't get Watson, I'm still on Zach Wilson. Still on it. Yeah. I I mean, I I just kind of think moving on from Sam makes the most sense based on the money, uh, you know, we're going to have to pay him however many, however much in two years. You're going to reset the clock on a rookie quarterback. You know, let this coaching staff start over with, you know, a quarterback that, you know, they pick and, you know, Joe Douglas picks because he, you know, inherited Sam. And, you know, let's roll. Let's see what happens. And, you know, I think, you know, we've seen uh, from this system that it can make quarterbacks, you know, you know, look good. I mean, Matt Ryan's played in this court in this system. Well, uh, you look at like CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins. They've, you know, done well in this system. Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, didn't have a great year this year, but I think that was, you know, kind of um, because of the injuries he had and sustained this year. But, you know, Alex Smith was really good in this system. Like there's a lot of guys that thrive in this system. It makes it very easy. Like Robert Sala said, it makes it easy for quarterbacks to learn it, but it, you know, it's a, son of a bitch to go against. Like it's easy for the offense and hard as hell for the defense. Like, you know, I, I think, you know, a running back is so important in this offense that I could see them maybe drafting a running back and with the second first round pick, whether that's Najee Harris, whether that's Travis Etienne, whether that's, you know, whatever other running back may be out there. Um, But I'm excited to start seeing this roster kind of, you know, uh, round out, and hopefully we bring in a star wide receiver like an Allen Robinson. And but one one wide receiver I could see them actually making a run at because I think fast. You, you look like Debo Samuel. You look at uh, um, Brandon Ayuk. What do they both have? They both have speed. Mm-hmm. I could see them being very interested in Chris Godwin. I think that'd be really cool. That'd be I something. Mean, you would have to. I think. Over. I, I think Crowder would be gone because. I think Godwin's more of a slot guy. He plays in the slot a lot. I think you'd also have to um, overpay a little bit for a guy like Godwin because for him to want to leave a Super Bowl contending team in Tampa, I mean, go play with another year with Tom Brady. Well, yeah, but they also have to re-sign like four or five other guys too. Right. Like, I have to look it up. I saw um, who, so, they, so, who they have to re-sign, but it's, it's, you know, a lot of impact players. So as far as like pecking order as quarterbacks go, like from one to – how many are there? There's four. 
four options here, really, because I'm not counting, like, veteran quarterback. I'm not counting, like, Matthew Stafford, nothing like that. I don't think the Jets are going to go that direction. So, pecking order. Deshaun Watson, Zach Wilson, Fields, Sam. Where do you rank as far as what do you want the most to what do you want the least? Um, uh, Watson's one. Obviously. I think Wilson's two. I think Sam's three and Fields is four. I would agree. Absolutely agree. Like, it was such a weird thing. Like, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, we were like, Justin Fields, got to be it. Like, Justin Field, like, coming off that semifinal game, Justin Fields is our guy, and now uh, it's just not happening. <laughs> yeah. I'm just um, not about it now. Uh, just, like, looking at looking at these free agents, like, they have to re-sign Shaq Barrett. They have to re-sign Levante David. Uh, Gronk's a free agent. Adamakin Sue is a free agent. Leonard Fournette's a free agent. Um, like, they have a lot of guys that are coming off, you know, good years like Leonard Fournette that touchdown he scored against the Packers like are they just not going to re-sign him I mean I think he's emerged at the as the favorite running back over Ronald Jones Ronald Jones by Bruce Arians like I don't know what kind of contract he'd be looking for but you know are they going to let Shaq Barrett walk like I don't think so Levante David's a good linebacker are they going to let him walk like they have other weapons I mean you look at Scotty Miller Scotty Miller scored the biggest game biggest touchdown of the game on Sunday yeah like does Tom Brady really need, you know, Chris Godwin when he has Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, uh, like Gronk, Cameron Brait? Like he has a lot of different weapons there. Antonio Is Chris Brown. Godwin, yeah. Well, he's also a free agent, so. <laughs> but like they could draft one and save that, you know, save that money uh, and put it elsewhere. Like I think it could be a real possibility that Chris Godwin goes elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I think that so you would take a Chris Godwin over a guy like Kenny Galladay. I, I think he would fit this offense more. Because I don't. Like, I, think I think a guy. I think a guy like Kenny Galladay, considering Matthew Stafford's gone, that may be like, all right, maybe maybe it's time for me to go somewhere else. Yeah, I, I think he. I think all of the big three wide receiver, like at least Kenny Galladay and Allen Robinson, I I really see them moving on. Like yeah. their quarterback situations aren't very good. Like. Like Allen Robinson's played with like dead weight at quarterback his entire career, and he's Think about still it. He's, like been a, in, he's been in Jacksonville and Chicago. Like, yeah, who did he Wasteland. play with in Jacksonville? Blake Was it Bortles? Oh, I Bortles, think? yeah, Bortles, Blaine and then he Gabbert. played with Foles, yeah, Foles and Trubisky, uh, Trubisky, and you know, I mean, I'm not putting Matt Stafford in the same no. you know realm as those three because Matt Stafford you know has shown that he can make plays when there's not much around him. But He's the greatest Lions quarterback of all time, whatever you feel, whatever stake you take in that. Yeah, but you know that Kenny Galladay isn't going to come back if Matt Stafford isn't going to be there. I don't think. Like I, that's another weird situation too. Like, what's their plan now at quarterback? I think they're going to draft one. Yeah, what do they pick? Do you know where they pick? I think they're like eight or something like that. Like they're people were saying that they, if the jets don't want to take a quarterback, that could be uh, a trade partner. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. So I guess um, we got to take that into account now too. Seven. They're, they're picking seventh. Mm. Yeah. I guess we have to take that into account now. Like, so I think that would actually be okay for the jets. If they want to move down and draft a wide receiver, I think maybe a Devonte Smith, maybe a Jamar chase. I don't still think there he's going to fall that far. No, you don't think so. Maybe a Jamar chase falls that far. Maybe that maybe. he could, but I don't think, I don't think Devonte Smith falls no. to seven. See, that Bill Kuyper be... mocked him, mocked the jets taking him at two today. See, I wouldn't hate that. Like I can't like, I see I'm a big person. And if you love Devonte Smith, you take him at two. If that's, if that's the guy you love, you take him. I mean, I, I 
I agree. I, I just it's hard really to pass. To it's hard receiver. to pass up. It's hard to pass up trading down and still getting your guy and while accumulating draft capital. I yeah, think. I mean, look at Mims. We traded down and still somehow got him. Right. Yeah. Granted, that's the second round, Correct. and I think we kind of got lucky. But yeah. Um. But again, Mims yeah. was a first round talent. Yeah, which you know, good job Adam Gates for really showcasing that <laughs> yeah. asshole. Oh man, Seattle Seahawks, here we go. <laughs> yeah, have fun with DK. Oh, Don't f- never throw him the ball. Never, never. Well, you well you did hear what he said on um who the hell who the heck was he talking to? He's talking to our friend, our Seattle Seahawks fan Pat sent it to me, but he basically just said DK DK was basically just like they teams just figured us out. Like we throw the ball, we run, yeah. run, run, throw the ball deep, run, 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 throw the ball deep. Uh-huh. Like it's Brian Schottenheimer for you or Pete Carroll. I don't know. <laughs> like, well, I mean, Pete Carroll's a defensive guy, so it was all yeah. sh- all our boy Shoddy. But uh, but I mean, the all the plays go through the head coach, so the head coach does have veto power over you know. So yeah, I mean, everyone's to blame there. But when you got Listen, DK Metcalf already like in his second year in the league, already being like, yeah, teams figured us out pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Russell Wilson ain't no Marky Mark. Oh jeez! They don't have any Santonio or Braylon Edwards oh, on the outside man. there, or, or Sean Green, or a Dustin Keller. Yeah, or Nick Mangold or oh, Brick. Man. Wow, oh, we were yeah. sick. Yes, we, we were sick. Where look where we are. Let's now. imagine if Mark Sanchez was a little bit better. A little bit. Little Just bit. imagine if Mark Sanchez ran that bootleg into the end zone for Oof. a touchdown. See, imagine no. Well, now imagine like. Went to the back-to-back AFC title games, but imagine if the Jets actually put more talent around Mark Sanchez after Santonio Holmes left, after Braylon Edwards was gone, after all those other guys were gone. Instead of guys like, I don't even know if you remember any of these names, but I do because, like, from 20, I'd say, like, 2012 until, like, 2015 is just scarred in my mind. Guys like... When you bring them up, I'll remember them, but I try to forget. Like, do you remember... We're going to play this game. Kembrell Tompkins, yes. Well, well, he was more... He was more 2015 when they were... Yeah. 10 and 6 and almost made the playoffs. But I'm talking about before that guy is. I'm talking about, like, the um, post-AFC Championship Mark Sanchez to Geno Smith era. Like, Uh scarring Jets football. So, if you remember any of the... Cumberland. Yes, Jeff Cumberland is one. If you remember any of these names and you're a Jet fan, you are a true Jet fan in my mind. Uh, I don't know why I remember some of these, but you remember Wayne Hunter? He used to be the right tackle. No. Wayne Hunter used to be the right tackle. He was horrible. Um, <laughs> Dakota Dozier, was that one? Dakota Dozier, yes, was one. One of the, Id- I think it was the Idzik 12 or something like that. I don't remember. <laughs> but, I love how they were just labeled as the Idzik um, 12. So a couple wide receivers for you. Chaz Shillins. Anybody remember Who? him? Uh, exactly. Greg Salas. Anybody remember Greg yes, Salas? Yes, I remember him. All right. Didn't he go to Monmouth? Something like I don't remember. Greg Salas. Yes, he did go to Monmouth. I think that is correct. What about um, uh, Devin Smith? Devin Smith, yes. The Ohio State prodigy. What about Stephen Hill? Oh, Georgia Tech prodigy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think I think in the second round, whose offense runs the triple option. <laughs> uh, He's Ky- a great blocker. Kyle Wilson. Oh, Cal- remember Calvin Pryor? Oh yeah, oh, I th- yeah. I just remember I his tweet popped up. I still followed him. I have oh, followed him now. Dude, dude. I, I unfollowed him. You don't want to ask him to come on the Tri-State Sports Beat for a little interview. I, I, I had followed him already. <laughs> uh, D. Milner was the all-time. Oh, <laughs> let down of I. I remember we. I think he had like one or two career picks, and every time be like, oh, he's sick. He's good. Still, still more go. than Jamal. Yes, <laughs> still or, more than Jamal, or at least the same. I don't. I don't know. Oh. Um. Who else? Remember the Jets had a older Kellen Winslow Jr. Yes. Yes. Remember that. 
Who's the running? Oh, my my favorite ever, Chris Ivory. Yes. Now I have to jersey. Now I have to pull up the rosters. Hold on. Let's start. Let's start with the 2012. Brent Quale. Oh, well, he yeah he was he is actually he's been on the, he was on the team for a while after that though too. Um, um, let's see. Hold on. Here we go. 2012 New York Jets. Where's the roster? Need the roster. Uh, 2012. That's when they went six and ten. It's when Tony Sperano, the late Tony Sperano, was the offensive coordinator. Mike Pettin, the now defensive coordinator in Green Bay, probably going to get fired, um, was the defensive coordinator here. Hold on. All right. Rushing and receiving stats. All right. Oh, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow on the 2012 Jets. Um, Lex Hilliard was our fullback. Remember him? No. (laughs) No. Um, Oh, remember Jeremy Curley? They do. Jeremy he was good, actually. Yes, he was good. Chaz Schillins, Stephen Hill, Santonio Holmes, Conrad Ruland. I, I the name sounds familiar. That name. Um, Khalil Bell. You know what's funny? Nick Ballore plays for the Who? Seattle. Nick Ballore. He used to be a linebacker. Now he's like a fullback. Now he's a Pro Bowler on the Seahawks on special teams. Oh, Nick great. Ballore. All right, 2013. 2013 Jets. This is when they went eight and eight. So I mean, Good. not a complete failure. Yeah, uh, Chris Ivory, positive. Chris Ivory, Good. Bilal. Good. Gino. Gino. Um, is that the year that he beat the Patriots in prime time? I believe so. Uh, Tommy Bohannon. Remember Tommy Bohannon? Yeah, great yes. fullback. Yes, he was. Last great fullback. Uh, Josh Cribbs was on the Jets at one point. The great returner <laughs> for the Cleveland Browns. Is that before he shot himself or shot someone? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't th- he didn't actually shoot himself to kill him. Didn't right. he like shoot himself in the I foot? I don't. Wasn't I thought? Did he pla- pull a plaxico? I don't remember. I thought, I thought he also. In fact, did you that. Josh Cripps was not a model citizen. No. <laughs> 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 um, Matt Sims played quarterback a little bit. Remember Matt Sims, number five? Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. Da, 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 da. Salim Hakeem was a wide receiver. Anybody remember him? <laughs> David Nelson was played for Sounds the Buffalo Bills. like a mod Rashad. David, uh, David Nelson used to play for the Buffalo Bills. Um, I don't know who that is. You might remember. Do you remember Clyde Gates? He had the dreadlocks, no. number nine. No, you don't remember Clyde Gates? Um, Zach Sudfeld. Remember Baby Gronk? He was yes. the first ever Baby Gronk. Zach Sudfeld. That was a tw- that team went 8-8 eight and eight that year. <laughs> wow, that's a great job by old sexy Rexy. 2014. I think this was Rex's final year. 4-12. and 12. Um... Let's see. No, here. I'm pretty sure they fought. No, I guess they did fire. No, this was I right. they fired yeah. after a six oh, and ten year. This was the all-time Jets team right here. <laughs> Chris Ivory, Chris Johnson, <laughs> CJ2K. I about that. This was the all-time Jets team. Gino playing quarterback. Bilal, Michael Vick, oh. Percy Harvin. Remember Percy Harvin as yeah. a Jet? Remember that? John Connor. Remember the Terminator? John Connor, the fullback. Remember him? <laughs> Here's a oh, this was Eric Decker's first year with the Jets. Jeremy Curley again. Greg Salas on this team for like three solid three years. Chris Owosu, you remember Chris Owosu? I do actually. Chris Owosu, yes. Jace Amaro, the immortal Jace Amaro, Texas Tech tight end. TJ Graham probably played special teams. That team went four and twelve. I totally understand why. And then the 2015 Jets. Theory Ed Reed. Yes, Ed Reed. Oh, wait, we forgot to go on defense. Hold on. I completely forgot about the defense. How could I do that? Um, Demario Davis. 
David Harris, elite linebacker group right there. Dewan Landry, Calvin Pryor. This is when our D-line was stacked, remember? Sheldon Richardson, Mo Wilkerson, Damon Harrison. Wow. But then then you saw that elite uh, defensive line, and then you look at the secondary. Darren Walls, Antonio Allen, Jaquan Jarrett. (laughs) Who? Marcus Williams. Remember Marcus Williams? I do. Yep. Philip Adams, Leger Doosable. He wasn't that bad, though, was he? He was all right. Uh, Jason Babin, Trevor Riley. Oh, man. Okay, somehow I remember Jason Babin. Don't know why. <laughs> he had tattoos on his arms. I remember him slightly. Let's go back to 2013. This we're, Now we're just at the point where we're just reminiscing on old Jets teams. Yeah, this will be a nice throwback episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, D. Milliner, his final year in 2012, I think. I didn't even think he lasted that long. Crow, of course. Quint- Quentin Copels. Remember Quentin Copels? I do. Yep. Kyle Wilson. Clemson, man. Ed Reed was 2012. Oh, Isaiah Trufant. Remember Isaiah Trufant? He had the, uh, ki- really. the, uh, the kick return. Was it the kick return or punt return touchdown against the Cowboys on 9-11, I think, that year in that game? <laughs> yep. Those are the old Jets teams. Man, if you're, if you're, if you're a Jet <laughs> fan, you recognize literally any of those names. You have much respect here on the Tri-State Sports Beat. Much, much respect. All right, so I guess we'll break. We come back. We'll talk Knicks and Nets, and then we'll do Tri-State Sports Book and all that stuff. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back. The Tri-State Sports Beat has partnered up with Southside Productions to bring the podcast to the next level. Southside Productions features an already impressive yet small roster of podcasts, including everyone's third favorite baseball podcast, Take a Pitch. Us, along with everyone else at Southside Productions, are working hard to bring the best sports media content to you, the listener. So do us a favor and check us out at www.southsideprod.com. That's southsideprod.com. And follow us on all major social media platforms. And now, back to the show. And welcome back, everyone, to the Tri-State Sports Beat. It is uh, the time we head to the hardwood instead of the gridiron. The Knicks and Nets, What are the, the Knicks are on our Western West Coast road trip currently, correct? Sorry, I muted myself. Brutal. Well, I mean, not brutal. They did. They blew out the Warriors, but it's been really all downhill from there. They finish in Utah tonight, but that team's stuck in neutral. I'll talk about them later. But um, the Nets have. Uh, I, th- I think they've been on a homestand. Um, two at home they, against they Miami. Play, yeah, they played two against uh, Miami. Beat them on Saturday night, one twenty, one twenty four. Then beat them last night. 98-85 in a very low-scoring affair. Um, we also missed the two-overtime thriller where Colin Sexton turned into Michael Jordan yes. uh, and scored about 15 points in the second overtime as the Cavs beat the Nets 147-135. Um, and let me get the correct minute. Uh, let's see if ESPN has those. Uh, they might not, but... Um, Oh, yeah, here it goes. Kevin Durant played 50 minutes. Jeff Green played 45. DeAndre Jordan, a very impressive 24 minutes. Jeez. Uh, let's let's keep him right there. <laughs> Kyrie Irving played 48. Uh, James Harden played 51. Joe Harris played 42. And Bruce Brown, the Nets' favorite. Nets fans' favorite Bruce Brown only played seven minutes. Of course. That's the problem right there. Um, you know, Kyrie had a good game at 37. Grant had 38. Uh, Harden had a triple-double, 21 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. Uh, the Nets lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers on Wednesday, and then they played them again on Friday and lost to them again. Huh. Um, 
They can't beat they can't beat Memphis or the Cavs for some reason. No, they can't beat any of the mediocre teams. They can only beat the good teams. Um, That's what you want come playoff time, though. Yeah, but it seems like they're already dogging the regular season. I mean, I don't. But uh, they did bounce back from the back in the second half of the back to back. Like I said, to beat the Heat on Saturday night and then beat the Heat uh, last night. Um, you know, James Harden, I, I I feel like is you know kind of struggled to find his offensive groove in the past couple games. I mean, uh, he did have 20 points last night, only eight assists and four rebounds to go with that. But uh, he also only took 10 shots. But you, you could see, like, he's still trying to get chemistry with Kyrie. Um, it was Saturday night, I think, maybe. he. Let's see. Um, Bam Adebayo had two very good games. He had 41 for the Heat on the Saturday night game and then um, had 26 last night. So, um, you know, he, he gave the Heat some very good minutes, but um, let's see. Just looking at the box scores of the games. Yeah, James Harden only had 12 points. He did have 11 assists uh, on Saturday night, but hey, the, the Nets overcame it. Kyrie had 28, AD had 31, Joe Harris had 23. Um, DeAndre Jordan only had eight. He's, he's horrible. He is such a terrible. waste. Such a waste. Um, I also love how Landry Shamit never sees the court anymore. That's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, give up a first round pick for him in the draft, and he sucks. Good job, Sean Marks. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, the Nets, you know, at 11 and 8 right now, I think they're fifth in the East. Um, if you look at the Eastern Conference, it, like, it's so close. I mean, there's one and a half games separating one and five. The Sixers are up there at 12 and six, and the, the Celtics and the Bucks are at 10 and six, Indiana at 10 and seven, and the Nets at 11 and eight. The Knicks are sitting there in the eighth seed at eight and 10. Um, but you know, the Eastern, the Eastern conference has turned into the modern day Western conference of, you know, the past, you know, I think it was four or th- three or four years ago where the Western conference was just absolutely stacked. Like everyone that made the playoffs had a winning record by like 10 plus games. It was always competitive. And now, you know, yes, the Warriors are in the eight seed at nine and eight. Um, you know, I think both conferences are really close right now that that top half of the East that was just insane. Like, Philly, Boston, Milwaukee, Indiana, and the Nets. Like you'd have to think the Nets would, you know, be able to get up ahead of, you know, a four seed. You would hope that they'd be able to get like a two or three. But uh, but again, I think this is a team that had, that its mindset is just to get to the playoffs and then let's see what happens. Um, I just don't see them taking the, the regular season as seriously as some other teams. Um, you know, granted they have to give KD his rest. You know the it's rare he'll play back-to-backs. I mean, he did play the one where they played the Knicks on the second half of the back-to-back, and he did play and played well. I mean, Harden, um, you would think that he'd be able to play most games. He, he he hasn't really, I don't think, been a load management guy in the past. And then Kyrie, who knows what the heck you're going to get from Kyrie. But, uh, yeah, 11-8 and eight for the Nets. I mean, it's not as bad as, you know, it could have been. I think, you know, at one point the Nets uh, – a lot of people were really down on them. They couldn't, they, they still can't beat bad teams, which isn't a great, you know, sign, but uh, you know, you beat the Bucks, you beat the heat twice. Granted, they didn't have Jimmy Butler for either game, but um, you know, you blew the Celtics out on Christmas day. Um, they're beating the good teams. And like you said, that's going to be good for the playoffs. Are you kind of impressed so far? How, good James Harden, like uh, how good of a job James Harden's doing right now, kind of acclimating to being that second guy. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I, I was impressed. You know, it's clear that he's not trying to kind of overstep. You know, right. he's not trying to come in and, you know, take, you know, control of everything and say, this is my team. Like, he knows the situation he's in. He knows that, you know, he was, you know, a late addition to this, you know, um, build up of however many years you want to, you know, since Sean Marks came, however many years that's been, he knows that, you know, yeah, he may be the final piece to really push this over the top, but he's, you know, understanding that he has to come in and be a playmaker more than he does have to be the James Harden of old, you know, in Houston where, you know, the spotlight's on him. He has to score 30, 40 points a night to give them a chance to win, uh, to make them a, you know, competitive playoff team. He knows he can, you know, take 10, 15 shots a night. You know, he can turn it on when he needs to, but he can also trust his teammates, you know, get Kyrie and KD uh, mainly involved, have them scoring 30 to 25, 30 points. And, you know, this team will, you know, continue to gel. I mean, they really haven't had any practice time together. They've probably had five, five practices together since this whole trade. So, you know, they're still building chemistry. You know, James Harden has played with KD in the past, but it's, you know, getting that chemistry with uh, Kyrie, Joe Harris, uh, Jeff Green, DeAndre, um, you know, once, once this, as the season goes on, this will only get better. I think, I mean, they do have to figure out the whole rebounding situation. It's still abysmal and their whole defensive, you know, game is horrible. Um, you know, there has been rumors that they're interested in JaVale McGee from the Cavs. Um, That'd be pretty also cool. Kevin Love, which I, that makes absolutely zero sense, but um, I would, I would not mind JaVale McGee being a, being a part of this team. I think, you know, he's, you saw what value he could give to the Lakers last year in their run to the, the uh, championship. Um, I think he'd be a really good piece for this team. And he's an athletic big man who can rebound. Um, he's definitely more athletic than DeAndre Jordan is. So I think you might be too. What? I think you might be too. I might be. Um, but I think JaVale McGee could give this Nets team something that they don't have, which is an athletic big man who can rebound. And I mean, I am, you know, impressed with Reggie Perry so far. I think he's given this team quality minutes, but to turn to a rookie, a second round rookie, uh, he was drafted like 55th or 56th overall. Uh, I think it's a little premature to do that and throw him into such a big role. And who knows when Nick Claxton will be back from his knee injury. So um, I think a JaVale McGee, if it's, you know, for cheap, um, you know, if it's a cheap deal that who knows what it would take, but I think it's a deal that makes sense for the Nets. Are you kind of like, well, I mean, when you're scoring 119 points a game, that's second in the league. I don't think you have to worry that too, too much about defense right now because yeah, but they give up 130. I know. I understand. That's the, I mean, that's the, that's the problem. I think they're going to run, run into come playoff time. So, I mean, I think an acquisition of JaVale McGee would probably be the best thing to do because the guy actually plays defense. Yeah, like the the game the game that keeps popping in my head is that magic game where DeAndre just freaking sat at the free throw line all game long while Nikola Vucevic was just chucking threes left and right, swishing them. Yeah, like the Magic aren't a good aren't that good of a team. You can't let teams like that just hang around because eventually they will. You know, someone will catch fire like Colin Sexton did in that in that Cavaliers game, um, and you know it's going to come back to bite them one of these days. And hopefully it's not the playoffs, but you know they can't let teams hang around. Like they let the magic hang around for way too long in that game. Same thing. Like the Cavs. you want to look at Steve Nash. They were up three in, in the first overtime. Didn't foul on the, on the, uh, 
the inbounds to send the Cavs to the free throw line and Colin Sexton hits a three to send it to double over or to send it to the second overtime. And then we all know what Sexton did in, in double overtime. He couldn't freaking miss. Like Steve Nash hasn't impressed me so far as a head coach. First time head I, coach. First time head coach. A lot of play yeah, a lot his, of players, a lot of star like, players at that point. Like it's not rocket science though that Bruce Brown is a very valuable, you know, piece to this team. He gives this team something that no one else can. He plays defense and he can actually make plays on the offensive end. Like he he in a game where it goes to double overtime, he can't only play seven minutes. Like that can't happen. And like I feel like Steve Nash is sometimes hesitant to call timeouts when this team is, you know, up against a run. Like his rotations is are sometimes questionable. Like you I would have thought that he would be you know, with with all that uh, coaching, you know, uh, experience on that bench with Jacques Vaughn, who did a great job with this team in the bubble, with Mike freaking D'Antoni, who's coaching this league for how many years? A hundred. Yeah, like I would have thought, you know, they'd be you know helping him out with this with this stuff, but I don't know. I am not totally impressed with Steve Nash, and I'm not convinced with him as our head coach yet. I'm sure he'll get better as the season goes on. It's only been. 19 games which you know it's hard to believe it's already been 19 games but you know i'm sure it'll get better but they have to start beating the bad teams because that's the only way you're gonna be able to jump the standings and get a better seed for the playoffs yeah yeah pal i completely but i mean you got to be kind of i wouldn't say happy because if you weren't like you'd be happy if the nets were i mean if they were like 14 and two or something right now, I mean, you'd be ecstatic. Oh, yeah. It'd but be like, fantastic. But like 11 and eight or 11 and nine, whatever they are right now is just like, you kind of expect them to be better, obviously at this point in the season, but you also didn't expect them to trade for James Harden, like for the first, through the first quarter of the season and, you know, have to worry about all those, all those, you know, pains, like growing pains of, you know, growing together and being a team and whatnot. But like, listen, you have your problems with the nets I have my problems with the Knicks because, like, you know, them being eight and ten right now, like, am I happy? Did they have they exceeded my expectations thus far? Absolutely, two games below five hundred. Like, I'm happier than a pig in poop right now. But like, they're on this West Coast trip. They, you know, they blow the doors off the Warriors, which I mean, take take with that as you will. They still have Steph Curry, whatever it is. But you know, then they were on a three game winning streak, and now then now they're on a back to back losing streak against Sacramento Kings. And Tyrese Halliburton, who they probably should have drafted, let's be real, probably should have drafted Tyrese Halliburton because he looks really good. And, and back-to-back losses to them and the Trailblazers. And like I said, they finish up in Utah tonight against Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles and that team who's pretty good. But, like, my mood right now for this Nick team is just, it's Julius Ra- it's two it's two options or bust. It's Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, or bust pretty much at this point. Julius Randle leads the Knicks in all offensive categories. Mitchell Robinson leads them in all defensive categories. Like, I'm totally convinced, pal. I'm not even exaggerating. If without those two on this team, the Knicks are a 4-5 win team right now. At the very at the very most, 4-5 win team. Because, but, like, thank goodness. And this is the only thing that's keeping me sane right now without, you know, totally going off the rail on Tom Thibodeau, which I will in a second a little bit. I love the guy. I still do. Love the guy. Love the hire. But I have a bone to pick already. Like, just thank goodness for the emergence of Emmanuel quickly. Because, like, 31 points and 24 minutes off the bench, this guy is legit. Like, I, I'm going to speak, I'm going to praise him until I, until I can't anymore. And he ba- he basically single-handedly almost led that comeback against against the Trailblazers the other night. 
But then this comes out, I think yesterday, today or yesterday, that Tom Thibodeau likes Emmanuel Quickly to work with the second unit. I am calling such BS on that. Because, like, the thing about Emmanuel Quickly is that once he instantly hits the floor, right, he gives them instant offensive spark. He gives them instant offense. Like, he's... He's a flo- he's a guaranteed floater and a guaranteed three pointer a game like that like that's who he is and he's the de- and the thing is though he's developing faster than you know everyone originally thought put him out there put him out there with your two best players in Julius Randle and and, Mitch- and Mitchell Robinson like I don't like again he's played eighteen games like is that is that enough to say he's a starter in the in the in the NBA no but like are we kidding me with Alfred Payton right now like. Statistically, they're pretty much the same player. Alfred Payton, he's averaging 12.6 points per game. Manuel Quick is averaging 11 points a game. That's off the bench. Like, we know what Alfred Payton is already. Enough. Like, what else does Tom Thibodeau need to see? Like, Emmanuel Quickly is ready to start in the NBA. He, he just is. And, like, I totally believe in, like, the system that he's doing. Uh, that I'm totally buying into Tom Thibodeau. I really am. But, like, this was one of my problems coming into the season. He loves these veteran players. And I saw before we came on here, they're interested in bringing back Derrick Rose. <laughs> Why? Why? Are we going to are we gonna call Luol Dang next? Are we going to call Joakim Noah back? Are we going to... Uh, Carlos Boozer, are you coming out of retirement to come play for the Knicks? Take Amari off the Nets coaching staff. Oh, my God. And then, like, I love Tyson Chandler, but, like, a couple weeks ago, they were thinking about bringing him back. I'm like, (laughs) what are we doing? Derrick Rose. Come on. He was here already. He was in a Nick uniform already, and and he went missing at some point. We really want that back? I don't think so. But, like, Emmanuel quickly is ready to start now. This is the one, this is, like, one of the biggest issues I had with Tom Thibodeau coming in to be the head coach of this Nick team. These young, like, he would rather play these older guys for the sake of defense than than rather play these young guys. Like, I'm asking you. I'm really just asking you. Like, uh, the defense has been great, but, like, can we just sacrifice a little bit of that to be better than the last scoring team in the NBA, which they are? They're 30th. They're dead last in scoring. They average, like, 102 points a game. I say this, I seem like I say this every week. Like, we, like... It's the same thing with the Knicks. And the fact that the fact of the matter is, too, that they're on this thing now. They win three in a row in the month of January, right? They win three in a row, Indiana, Atlanta, Utah. Great. We're off to a fantastic start. I'm hyped. Then they lose five in a row. Then they win three in a row against Boston, Orlando, and Golden State. Now they're on a two-game losing streak, and let's be real, Utah's really good. Probably going to lose to Utah because this is a third game of a Western trip before they head back to play Cleveland and the Clippers. Like, the Knicks are stuck in neutral right now. And I get it. So it's the first it's the first full month of the season. I totally understand it. Young team, but my concerns are still the same. I believe in what Tom Thibodeau is doing. I really do. But, like, same thing goes with R.J. Barrett right now. There's no reason R.J. Barrett should be leading this team in minutes, or even second most in minutes. All right, he had 28 points the other night. All right, whoa, great. Stop shooting threes. Like, I just can't, like, and he has a little bit. Maybe he listens to the show. RJ, good job. Don't take any more threes. Please, don't. I can't do this anymore. He's a really bad shooter. He is. 
And, and that's the weird thing is that, like, you watched him at Duke. We both watched him at Duke. He was not a tremendous three-point shooter. We've been over this. Like, I don't know, man. Like, to, to finish out January, Utah, Cleveland, the way that Cleveland's playing right now, they're beating the Nets all over the place. Like, they're competing real well. And then they got the Clippers on January 31st to end the month. Like, there's just this pattern here that I just don't like. You win three in a row, you lose five. You win three in a row, what's next? You lose the next three, and, you, and then you lose five in a row again? Ah. Listen, I didn't have any high... I don't have high expectations for this Knicks team. But now you're teasing me. You're teasing me. Eight, see it in the East right now, you just told me. And they're eight and ten. At this, at, through 18 games of the season, I would have expected them to win maybe three or four games. Maybe. But now, now we got some... Now we got something cooking here. With Emmanuel quickly and, and, you know, Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle playing well, why not put them all on the court together? How about that? What a concept. How about we try and score some points? I shouldn't be this mad 18 games into the season, pal. I really shouldn't be. I really shouldn't. But it's frustrating, too, because they lose by three to, to Portland, a team they shouldn't even be in the game with. Emmanuel quickly comes in, they're, they're within three, like that. But they still lose. Can you imagine if quickly plays the whole game, if he's able to facilitate for the whole game, and Alfred Payton sits his stupid behind on the bench? Stop it. Start the young guy. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's just kind of, we're kind of in a weird time right now with basketball. I mean... We, we should be excited about Harden, KD, and Kyrie. But, like, is it, is it kind of fair to say that, like, I know they're, they're just starting to all three play together, but it's kind of, like, underwhelming, don't you think? I mean, the, the Harden's debut was obviously very impressive. Right. I mean, he had a 30-point triple-double. KD has looked good, you know, in the past however many games that they've been together. And Kyrie has looked good, too. I mean... Would I want? Would I want them to blow teams out more often? Yeah, like so you go to bed but, earlier and not the stress. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, it's going to take them time, you know, to gel. We said before the season it's going to be an all-time great offense. Mm-hmm. So it'll be the question of if they can play defense, and you know that question hasn't been answered yet, or it kind of has been answered. They can't. They can't play defense and they can't rebound. So until they clean that up. It, like, they're going to score an insane amount of points. Like you said, they're second in the league and with 119 points per game. But they're also giving up however, like, I don't know the exact stat, but they're giving up probably, like, 113, 114. Like, um, do you, do you, they have to clean up the defense before, you know, you can really start thinking that this team is going to be, you know, a force, like, a true title contender, I think. Listen, I'll take some. Of, I'll take some of your offense. You can take some of my defense. How about that? <laughs> the Knicks have the number one defense. I don't know how number one defense in the in the NBA right now. Hold on, I'm trying to look up defensive team rankings. Here we go. The Nets are actually 25th out of 30. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like... honestly, higher than I thought. <laughs> there you go. There's one thing. Um, let's see. Where's point point? Oh, points allowed. They're 25th. That's about right. Like you, um, you look at the roster, who like they have nobody like a, a DeAndre Jordan in their in his prime. Like you're set, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, 
But well, he's uh, very far past that. Yes, very far past that. Listen, and where are the Knicks on that? You see that? Um, in terms of points allowed, the Knicks are number one. Mm. But um, I don't know what TOV is. Turnovers. Maybe they're twenty ninth. Yeah, they don't cause a lot of turnovers. Um, steals, they're twenty fifth. Well, only offensive one. rebounds allowed. They're twenty third. Oh, so they give up a lot of offensive rebounds, I guess. They do. Defensive rebounding. Let's see where the Nets are. Wow, the Nets are actually tenth in defensive rebounding. I don't believe that. So their offensive rebounding is what needs work. They need chance. Um, they need more chances at second chance points. Is what you're saying. Offensive rebounds allowed. The Nets are twenty seventh. Right. So there you go. There you go. Rebounds allowed, they're 12th. I, that doesn't make any sense. How on defensive rebounds are they 10th? But offensive rebounding, offensive rebounds allowed, they're 27th. How does that make any sense? Don't know. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. Could not tell you. Fraud stats. Fraud. Fraudulent statistics. Fake news. All right. At, we'll... least, the devil, at least the Devils are sick. Oh, Jack Hughes, the MVP of the league. Yeah. Eat and that, Lindy, Joe. In Lindy Ruff, we trust. Eat that, Joe. Jack Hughes. Capo Caco sucks. Well, well, how about how's Lexi Lafreniere doing? I know he's a rookie, but how's he doing? I haven't seen him. I don't know if he even has a point yet. I haven't seen him. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Have not seen. Let's see. Alexi Lafreniere stats. Unfortunately, Mackenzie he... Blackwood has the COVID, so he's been out for a little yeah, while. Yeah, better to get it over with now. Yeah, sure. <laughs> get it out of your system. Get the shot. Get it out of your system. Wear a mask. Uh, He has zero points in five games for the mm. Rangers. So he's only played five um, games, huh? Only played five games so far. Hmm. Um, but he has zero points. I'm trying to... He's a minus two. He has zero points and he's a minus two in five games. Let's see. Let's, let's just look at Jack Hughes' stats right now. Please. Also, I can't wait until uh, the devil's crap on Ca- uh, Carter Fart tonight. Carter <laughs> Fart. <laughs> he sucks. I hate him. Jack Hughes has three goals this year, man. Three goals, four assists, or seven points in five games, and he's a plus three. That's great. He, he right now he's playing like we all have, all expect him to play, like the number one overall yep. pick. And that's that's how it is. The Islanders on one on the other hand, kind of here nor there to be honest with you. Speaking yeah, they of, beat the. Uh... Speaking of the Rangers news, uh, Rand Lemieux will be out one game. Oh no, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. He uh, this is from a. Uh, Rangers reporter we follow on Twitter, we get the says Lemieux out of the one game Quinn bin he will play. I guess he wasn't allowed. I guess he wasn't the Quinn, Quinn bin. bin. David Quinn. I guess he got in trouble. He gives me the vibe that he's a douche. Why do you say that? Just he just douchey. gives me the vibe that he's a major hardo. See, I would say that about Lindy Ruff, to be honest with you. He seems kind of douchey. Like old I don't school. No, I just get a very bad vibe when David Quinn speaks. Like old school douche. You know, like Lindy Ruff. Yeah, but I don't, I don't get that vibe from Lindy. I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a hard coach, but he just doesn't seem douchey. David Quinn wearing his freaking Lululemon pullovers and freaking gelled over hair just looks like a douche. Gives me the vibe of a major douche. Oh, Shad, uh, also, too, we post on our Instagram story, uh, happy 60th birthday to the great one. Good. Wayne Gretzky. Happy birthday to Wayne. Good Wayne. I'm still confused by why... Chris Carton tweets every single day that Wayne Gretzky will join them at some point. I'm very confused. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. 
Anthony Beauvillier will be out. Oh, he's on injured reserve. That's tough. Oh. That's not good. Been placed on the team's IR list. A lower body injury. That's tough. We also can't talk about the Devils without talking about Ty Smith. Oh, yeah. Rookie of the year. He's, he's, I think he's one game behind Merrick Zidlicki. Wow, for, that's a name. Yeah. That's a but name. The, it wasn't with the Devils. He started his career with the uh, Predators. Yes. Merrick Zidlicki started his first six career games with a point. Ty Smith so far has started his first five career games with a point. So, so that's tonight what, he that... can join Devils legend Mary Ziglicki for all-time longest point streak to start a career for a defenseman. Listen, the Devils being 3-1-1, and like, can't complain. Fantastic. Supposed to be, they were supposed to be really bad this year. they were going to be 0-5-0. Oh, yeah. Playing the Flyers tonight, 7 o'clock. Yeah. That should be fun. Carter Fart. Carter Fart. That's right. Jack Hughes about to come in there and... Oh! Yeah, Ty Smith. <laughs> Let's see. Ty Smith, five games, a goal, five assists, six points, uh... Plus minus a five. Oh yeah, he's great on the power play. Lindy shown a lot of uh, faith in Ty Smith, throwing him right on the first power play unit. See, this is like one of the, this is like the concerns that we had though, like because the Devils have, are never one of those teams that just pump out prospects and young guys like this. Yeah, but here we go. Yeah, like, I mean they have a lot of wow. uh, young talent in their system so far. I mean. A lot of, you know, guys that rank prospects think the Rangers have the number one, I guess, farm system, and the Devils have the number two farm well, system. Well, as far to be fair to the Rangers, as far as goalies go, like they're they're literally the gold mine when it comes to developing goaltenders. Well, yeah. Um, not against the Devils, though. No, definitely not. But Travis Zajac burst that bubble real <laughs> quick. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find out who else, who else is playing well here. Let's see. Miles Wood, too. Yeah. Three goals for him. Kyle Palmieri. What about uh, you know, the de- the defense? Matt Tennyson. Plus minus a six. I don't know. Like, I don't think he's done much. He's more playing than that, with but... Ty Smith. He's not yeah. that great. I don't no, think. Oh, another thing that happened today. Some I don't know what country. Maybe it was Swiss. Um, publication reported today that Nico's injury that he suffered in December was a broken fibula. Well, well that's not good. So, I saw somewhere that Nico started skating on his own like two days ago or something. Hmm. So, but who knows on a timetable for a turn. But we're already a wagon. Just imagine when Brat and Nico come back. Oh. Well, I think I think once Nico comes back, I think that means my boy is going to be sent down. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to work Nico back in. I don't think he's going to take Jack's minutes right away. No, I'm saying I'm saying uh, Igor Igor Sharangovich. No, he's a Nico's a center. He's gonna play center. That's what I'm saying. So is Igor Sharangovich. He's a center. No, well. he's a winger. No, he's a center. It says right here he's a center. Well, he's been playing on the wing. All right, with Hughes and Paul Mary. Oh One my god! Has... Oh 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 wait! Oh, oh no. okay. All right, I got I got what? a little. It said the Nick. I thought it said Nick's reunite with D Rose. It says Nick's trying to reunite with D Rose. Oh. oh. <laughs> My blood to boil right on the air. Oh, just have that happen. Just makes no That'd sense. Be fantastic. Little letdown for Nikita Gusev too so far. Yeah, letdown he's been playing him. with Pavel Zaka, which is the, you oh, know the main problem. Jeez. Jeez. Mikey McLeod. Him too. and uh, Andres Janssen mm. uh, haven't been too great with Zaka. Listen, we look at the Devils and as far as points go, future looks real good. Oh yeah. Hughes, Ty Smith, Miles Wood, big three right there. Stanley Cup. I can't wait till can't wait till that happens and Igor Sharangovich gets it and goes, 
Ja! Bye bye. <laughs> oh, thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> oh, Mother Russia. <laughs> I love that guy. Love that guy. Uh, he's not Russian. Is wait, he's from? Uh, didn't yeah, you say he was from? Uh, he might be from Belarus. Belarus. Or here, like yes. Minsk, Belarus. Yes. Sorry, thought he was Russian. That's all right. That's all right. Hey, it happens. <laughs> Nathan, Nathan, uh, how do you say how do you say Nathan Bastion? Is it Bastion? Is it or is it Bastine? I think it's, I think it's Bastion. No. Nathan Bastion. Okay. Disappointing for him too so far. But hey. Yeah, but he's a freaking monster. He is. That dude's like six eight. Yeah. <laughs> Big boy. Yeah, so the Devils will play the Flyers tonight. I think uh, any local, any other local teams in action right now, pal? Uh, or the, de- or the Devils have so. the Devils have the spotlight tonight on them. Um, let's see. Today's Tuesday. Yeah, Devils, Flyers, the Rangers play the Sabers, Rangers and play- the Islanders play the Capitals. All right, so Islanders. Oh, did you hear NBCSN. you heard, did you hear that stuff about NBCSN shutting down? Yeah, they're going to um, USA Network. Oh, peacock. Well, I thought, well, yeah, but I think some of their um, sports streams are going to USA, USA Network or something like that. Oh. Very hmm. weird. Very weird. All right. We'll break. When we come back, we'll finish out with Tri-State Sportsbook. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. Kids with the kids. Show me the money. Winners, 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 winners. Hopefully we pick you some winners today. Scott, you want to go first, pal? Sure. Go for it. So I have some uh, action on the ice, and I have some action on the hardwood. I will start with the ice. I'm going to take the Devils plus one and a half against the Flyers this evening. Great pick. Uh, Might be a little risky with Scott Wedgwood in between the pipes, but, you know, he shut out the Islanders last game. It was his first action since 2018. Devils legend Scott Wedgwood lead us to the promised land. And Jack Hughes and Ty Smith we trust. Yes. Um, Okay, I'm going to the college hardwood next. Um. The Red River rivalry on the court is happening this evening. Good, Big 12. Oklahoma at Texas. Um, I will take the Longhorns minus four and a half over Texas oh, over Oklahoma. Um, I do think Shaka Smart is out with the old Rona, so they will not have their head coach in place. But I think you know Texas has uh, looked very good this season. Uh, we'll take them over Oklahoma, and then lastly, Kentucky sucks. Duke sucks. Oh, yeah. North Carolina sucks. Uh, Alabama, on the other hand, is good. So I'm going to take Alabama minus six and a half over Kentucky. Uh, Nate Oates over John Calipari and his hair gel. So <laughs> to uh, recap, NJ Devils plus one and a half over the Flyers. Texas minus four and a half in the Red River rivalry on the hard court, uh, the hardwood. And I will take Alabama minus six and a half over the Kentucky Wildcats and Big Blue Nation. A $10 wage will give you a potential payout of $57.34. All right, I'll one-up you one on that Devils one. I'll go Devils money line tonight against the Flyers because in Jack Hughes and Ty Smith, I trust, absolutely. So I got to take that, plus 130. Devils at home, especially. I know home way really doesn't matter this season, but the Devils at the Rock against the Flyers. F the Flyers. Let's go Devils. Plus 130 on the Devils money line. I'll go college basketball, too. Little Big East action. UConn, minus five and a half. I know St. John's beat them. My Red Storm are freaking terrible this year. Almost borderline unwatchable this year. <laughs> but I'm going with UConn at home, minus five and a half at Butler. I'm, I'm sorry, against Butler. They're at home. UConn is at home. Minus, uh, minus 110, minus five and a half. And then, pal, I saw this and I had to do it. Farmers Insurance open. Ooh. Here we go. The winner will be... See Wu Kim. 
at plus 4,500. Wow. That's who the winner will be. Don't know why. Couldn't tell you. We're going to start the golf season because, pal, sooner, sooner, rather than later, before you know it, we'll be back on the course. Oh. We will be back on the course. So we got a lot of pucks at Tenny, pucks at Tenny Phil or whatever the frig is. Name is. We'll see his, uh, <laughs> is it, if he sees his shadow, spring is coming or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully spring's coming. All right. So Tri-State Sportsbook, give me the devil's money, money line at home against the Flyers. UConn minus five and a half at home against Butler and Siwoo Kim to win the whole kitten caboodle at the Farmers Insurance Open at plus 4,500. So if you bet $10, it's plus 20,108. That will win you $2,000, $2,020.78. Lot of money there. A lot of money. There. Imagine that actually happens and you don't oh actually get it. <laughs> What's going on? What just happened? <laughs> that one. <laughs> oh, I love that. I want to kiss you. <laughs> That's what happens when see you kiss. Oh, see you Kim. Kim when he wins. <laughs> I want to kiss you. That would be fantastic. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, I, lo- I love that Robert Sala drop I came up with. Love it. Get used to the mantra, all gas, no break. I'm going fast again! <laughs> Scott, what movie is that from? You know what movie that's from? I don't freaking know. Fast and Furious? No. I was going. I tried to find something Fast and Furious related, but I couldn't find anything that would work. That is from the, uh, the Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Oh, is that the one with Will Ferrell? Yes. Oh, I've never seen that. It seems oh, kind of funny, though. So funny. So funny. Hopefully we won't Is it be better s- than Happy Gilmore. Um, I know it's two completely different actors, but I don't. Uh, see, I don't know. The cops just found Ricky Bobby speeding. <laughs> Get used to the mantra: all gas, no break. I'm going fast again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a tough question. Um, I would say uh, they're pretty close. I would say they're close. You've seen Happy Gilmore, though, right? Yes. Okay. So I uh, you would have to, I think you should watch Ricky Bobby. Definitely should do that. I think we might start doing movie reviews on here because you don't watch movies. <laughs> the, the thing is, I don't know. I have to be really in the mood. Well, like Will Ferrell, a NASCAR movie. Like, I mean, I know you were watching NASCAR a little bit once the once COVID started. So well, you had there to be was nothing else on. I know. <laughs> you have to have some kind of. That's when you know you're real desperate. Oh yeah. Watching NASCAR with no fans. NASCAR is just hard to get into. It really, it really is. I just, I feel like it's one of those sporting events that you have to go to once. Yeah, I think yeah to, we've been over, we've been over this. Like. I think it's, it's definitely something. Especially like if you it's go to not something I can uh, sit down, get my popcorn ready, and uh, <laughs> and go boogity boogity. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Arvick, go around more. <laughs> Idiot, horsey. <laughs> oh man, I mean it's. I've been a couple times. I've been to Dover, Delaware. I've been to Bristol, Tennessee. I, I I would just go to Daytona just for like the whole week or two weeks or whatever, just to. Yeah. We gotta go to the Brickyard to play the golf course. Yes, in Indianapolis. That's that's another one. We my, my luck, my ball will hit the racetrack. <laughs> <Ding>! <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> broken window. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Mario Andretti. <laughs> <Gee>. <laughs> I don't think he's now. Is, isn't he Formula One? I don't know. IndyCar, Formula One, uh, same same thing. Same thing. <laughs> whatever. 
Not not really. I don't. We don't need any diehard racing oh, fans yeah. coming here and saying it's different. <laughs> Like ping pong and table tennis. Oh, 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 let's not start that, man. <laughs> let's not start that. Oh. <laughs> all right, pal. Well, that'll do it for us here on the Tri-State Sports Beat. Thank you all for sticking around. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you don't already, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and all social media at TSSB Pod for daily updates on all nine of the New York sports teams. And you can listen to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio.com app, wherever the hell you want, to be honest with you. And, of course, call our open fan line. It's always open for you. The Tri-State Sports Beat fan line, 862-260-4315. And stay tuned for all our stuff on social media, our edits and stuff. Joe's, Joe's been, I mean, we're all in school now, so uh, we can only work as much as we can. But we're going to try our best to put content out for you guys. And uh, Super Bowl stuff will be coming within the next week or so. Picks, preview show, we'll see what happens next week. So thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the Tri-State Sports Beat. Namaste, and keep listening to the Tri-State Sports Beat. Goodbye! It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. Hello, Brooklyn. I love your corners, I pack your soul, soul. I love your corners, I pack your soul, soul. I love your corners, I pack your soul, soul.